Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Bishop Michael Fields here um, for our Wednesday night Bible study here online uh, here at the Greater Refuge Temple in Washington, D.C., also pastoring uh, Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. It is my joy and my pleasure again to come to you um, through this um, medium of uh, Facebook Live. And of course, you know all that is going on, <clears throat> excuse me, around us with this coronavirus. And, and we want to uh, give a special shout out for those of you uh, who have lost loved ones during this, this season. Uh, of course, anytime you lose someone uh, that is dear to you, uh, it's, it's a terrible feeling. No one knows except those who have lost that individual. And of course, uh, recently, uh, my daddy passed away, and, and that's a feeling that is so indescribable uh, to talk about how bad it hurts and how much you miss uh, the individual that you love so much. Uh, but in particularly during this season with the virus uh, and the pressure of not being able to really uh, give your loved one uh, the type of service that they deserve. I, I want you all to know that we are praying for you, uh, praying for you wholeheartedly, that the Lord would strengthen your heart and mind and that he would keep you uh, during this season, that he will help you with your grief as he's helping me with mine. And uh, we'll continue to pray uh, for you. Uh, but remember the word that says, that we should comfort one another with these words. We're not all going to sleep. Uh, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, the trump of God will sound and those who have died in Christ will rise first. Um, we love you so much and we're keeping you in our prayers. Let's pray before we start our lesson. Father, we love you so much and we're so grateful for this another day that you've made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for loving us, keeping us, watching us, holding us, strengthening us. We thank you, O oh God, for being the God of our salvation. We ask now that you would bless us through your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'm in the book of Philippians uh, tonight, and um, for the next two to three weeks, I'm going to be in the book of Philippians. Uh, I love this book. I love uh, the context and the message um, that Paul is conveying to uh, the people of God. Um, I'm not going to start tonight at the beginning of this letter. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to start at the end of the letter. Uh, there's something that I found there uh, that really stuck with me, and I'm, I want to share it. I want to start out this series in Philippians at the end of the letter if you let me. So uh, go with me to chapter four, um, if you will, and very familiar passage, but there's something there that I want to pull out. Uh, so let me tell you the topic of the lesson tonight is saints in strange places. Uh, and I'll explain uh, the topic of the lesson. Um, the Bible lesson tonight, Saints in Strange Places. Uh, I'm in chapter 4, 
And I'm going to start at verse 19. I won't stop until I've read through verse 23. All right. Um, here we go. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Uh, and I'll stop there. And it is uh, verse 22 that I want to extrapolate that uh, theme for tonight, uh, where it says, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Now, of course, excuse me, we know that the book of Philippians was written by Pastor Paul. And uh, uh, just to lay a foundation, we understand also that the theme of the book, uh, the theme of his book to the Philippian church is joy in living for Christ. Uh, and he's not talking about the kind of joy that comes from the music or the excitement or the hoopla of church, but he's talking about uh, what I call Jesus joy. Joy in the midst of whatever is going on in your life, joy. Hallelujah. And understanding the way Paul teaches concerning joy, I understand joy is more than how I feel. Joy is a frame of mind. It's a position, uh, a mental and spiritual position. Uh, so um, he writes concerning joy. Uh, he tells us that we, ha we should have joy in Christian living. He even helps us with his own testimony and says, whatsoever state I'm in, uh, I've learned to be content. Uh, so this church was founded by Paul, uh, and there were those who helped him uh, start this ministry. There was um, Silas, there was his son in the gospel, Timothy, and Dr. Luke. Uh, and we understand through history that it was done through his second missionary journey. Uh, and it was in response to a vision that the Lord gave him uh, while he was in Troas, right? And um, we understand this. Uh, if we go to the book of Acts, it, it talks about how the Lord gave him a vision and he, uh, he starts this church. And you'll find that in Acts, the 16th chapter, uh, how the Lord gave him a vision. And it goes all through how the church was started. Remember, um, he runs into a woman by the name of Lydia. Uh, maker of purple garments and things, and uh, she is so taken in by the gospel that he is preaching that she brings him into her house. And uh, the church actually started in Lydia's living room. So here we are, a uh, new church, a storefront church, little holiness church is started uh, in Macedonia, right? He sees a vision that says, come over here, this side of Macedonia, uh, and uh, the Lord blesses him, and Lydia gets the Holy Ghost, and he's sitting in Lydia's uh, living room eating cornbread and collard greens. Uh, and here we got a little apostolic church in Philippi now, uh, and it starts growing. 
and he develops a very strong bond with this particular church. Uh, they loved him as a pastor. Uh, he loved them a very, very strong bond. And we see this from reading uh, 2 Corinthians 11 and 9, uh, where Paul talks about this particular group of people. He says it like this, uh, and I'll read it for you. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Now I'm going to read that same verse in the Message Bible to make it even clearer uh, what Paul was saying about this group of people, right? He's, on, he's a missionary, uh, he's traveling, preaching, and establishing churches. Uh, and there were some folks that would not help Paul. As a matter of fact, they gave him a hard time. And the Corinthian folks were a group that gave him a hard time. Uh, they fought him concerning his apostolic authority. Uh, there were those who questioned his message. And uh, so he's talking to them in this manner. The Message Bible makes it even clearer. He says, not once during the time I lived among you did anyone have to lift a finger to help me out. My needs were always supplied by the Christians from Macedonia province. That's the Philippian church. I was careful never to be a burden to you, and I, I will never be. You can count on it. In other words, he said, you all don't have to help me. There are saints uh, that will help me. They see the need, and they understand what ministry is all about. They didn't even want the pastor to get an offering. Don't, even, don't give them nothing. Uh, and this is why he says they that live by, the, preach the gospel rather should live by the gospel. Uh, so his attitude is, well, uh, if you don't help me, my God shall supply all my needs. So, you know, he's ministering, but he's sending the message to those who think that uh, if they cut the preacher off, if they close their pocketbook, uh, that the preacher won't eat beans and rice no more. But uh, Paul was letting him know, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in to be content. Uh, and some of my experience has come right in, in the midst of my own brethren. I had to depend on God. I'm feeling this thing already. I'm just getting started. So he has a strong bond with them. Um, and I'll take you back into the Philippians, the fourth chapter. It says, now ye Philippians, I'm reading verses 15 and 16. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Hallelujah. These other churches didn't want to help me. They didn't want to send me any, any kind of relief, uh, but you did. You loved me so much that when I needed something, you sent me a little money. You sent me some clothes. You sent me what I needed uh, for the ministry. And it wasn't always for him. It was to plant seed in whatever city he was in. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once, he says, and again unto my necessity. So <clears throat> Paul, uh, he was a missionary. Uh, yes, he was an apostle. Yes, he was a preacher of the gospel. Yes, he planted churches, but uh, he was a real missionary as well. Um, and here's a sidebar. Uh, missionary department is not just for women. Uh, I'm, I'll just leave that there, uh, and I'll, I'll leave it alone. That's another lesson. Uh, so 
missionary is a person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. Hold on to foreign country. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work that a little bit. Uh, and we know that Paul was a true missionary. And let me explain what a true missionary is. Um, you know, in short, some would say a missionary is someone who has a mission, a real mission. Uh, but understand a missionary is someone who was sent by God uh, on a definite mission with a definite message. So they don't just say I have a mission, but they have a message. What are you going to say? What are you going to portray? Uh, he's not only, he wasn't only to tell men and women that God can change their hearts, uh, that they would delight to do his will, but he was to show them as well by the life he lived before them, and he was actually, uh, his job was actually to show them how to practice the faith that he was teaching. Uh, so, um, a real missionary will not forget that he's telling people more loudly by what he is and does, uh, more so than what he's thinking and saying. So, a real missionary is exemplifying the gospel or the word or the lesson of the teaching that they are so trying to convey on those that they are around. And um, so the trials, we understand, that came upon Paul uh, were designed of God as a means of showing God's power in Paul's life. Paul even says it like this on one occasion. He says, the, um, the glory of God is revealed in our lives. Uh, and I'm learning how to glory in my tribulations. I'm, I'm thriving in my struggles. And uh, God is developing me. And because of this, I have become a living epistle to those that I'm around, those who I am teaching and preaching to. They're watching me, and they're watching God develop me. And that speaks louder, even louder, than the message that I've been preaching. So... Uh, even as we taught about Job a few weeks ago, the, the trial that Job went through reveals to every one of us uh, that God can create a heart that won't be offended. And let me explain. Hallelujah. Because uh, I now use my own life. When I first got the Holy Ghost, I was easily offended. Uh, you know, because I was foolish enough to think that everybody in the house was truly saved, and because I spoke in tongues, and you know, I was on fire for God, but I ran to, into some mean folk uh, who said they trusted God and believed God and served God just like me, and I got, my, I got my feelings hurt, especially when I did something that they didn't particularly feel uh, was on their list of things that people should do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about sin, and I did make some mistakes, uh, but I'm talking about you have some inspectors in the house that, you know, if you don't cross every I, dot every T, they, they rebuke you. They'll even condemn you. Uh, but as you grow, uh, you know, because remember, Job had three friends that sat there for weeks. And when they opened their mouths, they ridiculed him and scorned him. Uh, but God has a way of developing you through your struggles to, to strengthen your heart so you're not so easily offended in the storm. Hallelujah, you begin to mature. So the same things that bothered you yesteryear are not bothering you now because you've grown. Hallelujah. And it was the struggle that helped you grow. So 
uh, a true missionary knows that nothing is impossible with God, first for himself and then for others. If God can do it for me, he can do it for you. So uh, here we are, Paul, doing missionary work, and because of his consistent uh, behavior in ministry, another church is open. Uh, people are being blessed. Uh, but now he is writing a letter from prison, right? He's going yet through another struggle, yet through a, another trial, uh, and he's writing this book out of his love for the church. Uh, he keeps pushing forward, giving them instruction, uh, and he's writing them for four reasons. And, and uh, let's go through the reasons. The first reason uh, we find in Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 19, uh, he writes these words, notwithstanding, <clears throat> excuse me, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. But even in Thessalonica, ye set once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all in the bound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, uh, the things which were sent from you, an odor of the sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. So the first reason you find right here in this text, uh, he's thanking them for their recent gift of support that Deacon Epaphroditus brought to them. Uh, they knew he needed help, and they sent the deacon to check on him and here. Uh, here is some help from the saints in Philippi. And he's also updating Pastor Paul, uh, letting him know what's going on with the saints, how's the church doing. You know how pastors do, but now he's in prison. And he's in prison because he won't stop preaching the gospel. Um, the second reason why he writes this letter, um, and we can go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30, but it, it proves to us that he's writing to assure the congregation of the triumph of God's purpose in his imprisonment. And I won't read all of that because I'd have to read verses 12 through verses 30, but I'll give you the context. Uh, in chapter 1 of Philippians, verses 12 through 30, uh, he's telling them, I, I don't want you to be upset because of what I'm going through. And it wasn't just what Paul was going through. Maybe I should read it. Uh, but it was how people were reacting to his imprisonment because there were those who were taking advantage of the fact that the pastor's not in town anymore. They were talking about uh, his prison sentence and so forth. You know, it's not the first time pastor's been in jail, this kind of thing. But he said, I'll, I'll, and I'll read it, but I would, you should understand, brother, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the Palestine and all other places. Everybody knows I'm in jail. Everybody knows, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident, listen to this, waxing confident in my bonds. There are other preachers, other pastors, other people who are happy about my imprisonment. Uh, and because of my imprisonment, they are more bolder now to do whatever they want to do. Uh, and some uh, was speaking out of fear, 
some out of jealousy, I can do a better job, some out of strife, Paul says, but there were some who were doing it out of goodwill. The one preached Christ uh, out of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. So they're not just preaching, but they're ridiculing the pastor. You know, perhaps a, a new pastor comes in and he wants to take over the church. Paul is in jail, yeah, and he's running his mouth about the, the pastor while he's trying to win the people. And Paul is acknowledging all of that. He says, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel, uh, you know, uh, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. So he's saying, I don't care why they're doing it, the gospel is being preached. That's between them and God. Hallelujah. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. What kind of response is that? Uh, well, number one, he's fully confident in what God has given him. Uh, and he's not going to waste his time fighting why they're preaching the gospel. He's just happy that the gospel is being preached uh, and all that other stuff, God will deal with them. I'm sure that's what was going through his mind. He says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Either way, I'm going to glorify God, and God's going to get the glory out of my life no matter what happens. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Don't be afraid of anything or anybody, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God, unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer he's saying it's not only for you to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me so he's saying I'm going through but your time is coming also we all if we're going to live for Christ if we're serious about this ministry, we're all going to have to go through some kind of trial or tribulation. The third reason why he's writing this letter to the Philippian church is to reassure the church that Epaphroditus had fulfilled his charge faithfully and was not returning to them prematurely. Hallelujah. One of them to know, yes, I'm sending him back to you, uh, but I want you to know that his visit to me uh, was successful, and I'm not sending him back to you prematurely. Uh, and he says these words in Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30, yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother 
and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but he's also your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard, uh, that ye had heard, rather, that he had been sick. So he goes to visit, he gets sick, hallelujah, and Paul says, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. Uh, but God had mercy on him, so he's, he's telling them, letting them know, yes, he got sick, uh, but he was still able to accomplish what uh, he was sent here to do. He gave me the message. Uh, he was successful in encouraging my heart as well, uh, and now I'm sending him back to you. Uh, and uh, he said, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye See him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. Hallelujah. He's still working. He got sick. He almost died, but he still did uh, what he was supposed to do, uh, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service towards me. So he made his delivery. He was successful in everything that the church sent him here to do. Uh, the fourth reason uh, that Paul writes this book uh, to the Philippian church, fourth reason was uh, to counsel them about some church concerns and to exhort them or to encourage them to press on to know the Lord, to press on. Now, he's in, in some of his writings, you'll understand that he's not just telling them how blessed they are, but he's dealing with the reality of salvation and being uh, a true servant of the Lord and true child of the Lord. You're going to have to go through some things, and you as a church family are going to have to stay together. Hallelujah. Don't, don't use the struggle and the persecution that's going on as a reason for you all separating and uh, becoming hostile even towards one another. So he says, uh, I want to press you on. Uh, I want you to get into the press and hold on and get to know the Lord more uh, in four areas, uh, through unity, through humility, through fellowship, and through peace. Uh, now, I'm not going to deal with this aspect tonight, but I'm going to come back to it because we have a few weeks to to uh, run through the book of Philippians, uh, but he's saying if you're going to get to know God more, uh, and if you're going to come to that place as a people, as an individual, as a church family, uh, then you have to know him through unity. Uh, you can't be divided. You have to be humble. You can't think you're better than everybody else. Uh, you have to have fellowship. You have to have all things in common. You can't you can't be all split up in mind and in doctrine. And uh, you have to believe the same thing. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and peace. Hallelujah. That, that peace that goes beyond understanding. But there should be peace between the people of God. Uh, and then you are strengthened. Then you are growing in knowledge as a family. You're becoming more and more like the Lord. So let's begin the actual study because here we are in chapter 4 and we're starting at the end of the book as opposed to the beginning of the book because I want to pull something out uh, and I'm going to start at verse 21 this time 
um, because he, you know, he tells him that God shall supply all my need, all your need according to his riches and glory. Uh, now unto God and your father be glory forever and ever. And he's getting ready to close out the letter. Uh, but it's a very powerful close. And it really raised the flag in my mind because he says these words, salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me greet you. You know, he's saying tell everybody over there, uh, you know, in Macedonia, tell everybody in Philippi, I said praise the Lord, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, I'm in jail, but I'm not their prisoner. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul knew how to talk that talk. Uh, but it's verse 22 that really got a grip on me. He says, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Wow. So here, this is where I'm at because this study Tonight is based on this verse right here in which Paul adds a postscript to this letter. Uh, you know, P.S. By the way, uh, saints salute you, especially those that are living in Caesar's household. Uh, the saints in Rome, uh, in particular, I'm going to pull it out so you can understand exactly what I'm talking about because Caesar uh, is not... A name, it's really a title. The name, Caesar's name, is Nero. Uh-huh. So this is what he's saying. I'll pull it out. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are living in Nero's house. They're sending their greetings to the saints in Philippi. Uh, who, who are these saints? Uh, who are these saints living in Nero's house? Uh, and it'll, you'll get it after a while. They were Christian uh, believers, disciples of Christ. Uh, and, and let's pull out the word saint because every born-again believer is a saint. Uh, verse 21, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, we're not, you know, of the Catholic persuasion who say you got to die. And then someone comes behind you and investigates and you have to have three miracles and this and that, and they, they, you know, they go to other people and interview them, and then you are called the saint. No, uh, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, and when you're in Christ, you have been born again, you are a saint of God. Uh, so verse 21 gives us a clue as to what a saint is. A saint is one who is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He is one who is in Christ Jesus. And Paul addresses uh, several of his letters, uh, you know, to the saints. Uh, I can take you to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. It says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Hallelujah. They're called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He does it to the Ephesian congregation. He addresses them. Uh, he opens the letter, Ephesians 1 and 1. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful Christ Jesus. This is why when we get up in front of folks, we say, praise the Lord, saints. Hallelujah. Because those of us who have been born again, Hallelujah. Call me what you want. I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. I'm in, 
hallelujah, the body of Christ, and he calls us saints, Philippians 1 and 1. Again, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Uh, we could take you to John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And Jesus answered, John 3 and 5. Hallelujah, because if, if um, I'm going to be a child of God, it means I've been born again of the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's go a little old school. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. And those of us, uh, we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, quickly take you to 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know... Uh, that we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. So uh, he's writing to the saints, uh, and he says uh, in this verse, while he's closing, he he brings an addition to the end of his letter. He said, oh, by the way, the saints uh, are saluting you, and I'm talking specifically about those that are living, those saints. They're slaves. Uh, they've got the Holy Ghost, and they're living in Nero's household. And this, this was a striking statement. This, this is a strange place uh, for the saints to be, if you understand the history of Nero, uh, and let's talk about it because uh, in a number of scriptures you, you read of saints being in the wrong place. Uh, but I'm, I'm not talking about that tonight. That's another lesson. But I'm talking about saints being in some strange places uh, and being in Nero's household and Nero's palace uh, is a strange place. It, it was strange indeed for them to be there uh, but it was a, a wonderful kind of strange. It, it was strange, and I would say it was even dangerous. It, it was life-threatening for them to be in Nero's household, his servants, his slaves. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, born-again believers living in Nero's house. I keep saying it because that's how strange it is. It was strange indeed for them to be here uh, because perhaps the most unlikely place you should expect to find saints, uh, God will have them right there, the most unlikely place. And you'll find the people of God in some of the craziest places, and God will have his children sitting right there. Now, let's, let's talk about this a little bit and, and why we're saying they're in the strange place. Uh, historians tell us that uh, Roman civilization, uh, and we can go back 25, almost 3,000 years ago, was characterized by heartless cruelty, right? The, the Romans, this is the society that crucified my Lord. They were cruel folks. They were wicked. They were heartless. It, it's indescribable corruption 
uh, if we dug deeper into it, the mentality, the, the sociology, the philosophy of that day would blow your mind. Uh, in some ways, they, they, it was worse then than it is now. Uh, the stuff that they was putting out, Rome, was uh, a veritable cesspool of iniquity. This was a wicked place. Uh, and the horror and the degradation which abounded uh, can rarely be equaled and probably never exceeded in the history of mankind. Uh, and, and that's history speaking. And Nero, uh, listen, uh, when you read the story of Nero, the history of Nero, uh, when, when you go to Josephus and others who have written about him, uh, these were historians that lived in his day. Uh, he was a robber. He was a murderer. Uh huh. He was. He dealt with matricide, uh, which means he killed his mama. This man killed his own mama. He was a liar. And underneath that, as wicked as he was, he was a coward uh, because he would throw a rock and hide his hand. Um, he was a drunkard, a glutton. He was incestuous, right? Uh, he was depraved. Even the pagans of his day were astonished by the stuff that Nero did. Uh, listen, uh, and when they described Nero, uh, and it's, it's been recorded in history books, they described him as having his blood was mixed with mud. That's how dirty he was. His blood was mixed with mud. Uh, listen, uh, he was on the throne, but he usurped the authority of the throne. He poisoned his legitimate heir. Uh, after he poisoned his legitimate heir, he married, he married his sister. Um, and he had a relationship with her, but he later, he was so brutal to her until he broke her heart. Uh, then after he messed over her, he ordered her assassination, had her killed. Uh, then uh, after that, when he murdered his own mama, killed his own mother, uh, and he married again, but history says he kicked his second wife to death, kept kicking her till, you know, and he's, he's Caesar, so, uh, if, if she got up and told him to stop kicking me, he would have had her assassinated anyway, but he kicked, her, he kicked her to death, and history says he ordered the death of a philosopher that was, he was simply there, and I don't remember the philosopher's name uh, that was trying to help Nero with his thinking, uh, but Nero got tired of the man trying to tell him uh, to do something right until he had this philosopher killed, and um, so, he gets upset and he reduces uh, the city to ashes. You remember, he burns the city and he blames it on, he would blame it on the Christians. Uh-huh, and this is what he does. He burns the city, he reduces his capital to ashes, he tortures Christians to death, uh, and he does it by the hundreds. Uh, and all of this is done before he's 30 years old. So he's, he's literally a maniac. Uh, People called him hideous. He was a monster, uh, you know. And these Christians, these born-again believers, were living in his house. So this is an unexpected greeting. This is an unexpected greeting. Maybe I should have I should have named the lesson that, but it's a strange place. You mean these Holy Ghost-filled believers are living 
in this maniac's house. It's an unexpected greeting. I'll read it again. It says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So this is Paul's greeting to those in Philippi who are already followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's in Christ Jesus was connected to the word greeting, not the word saint. Uh, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm greeting you. Uh, the saints of God in Nero's house are sending their greetings. Uh, the brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially the people of God that are living in Nero's household. So they, they had uh, requested. Uh, they sent in their request. Tell the saints. Tell the saints in Philippi, we said, praise the Lord. Now that, that took courage. You're living in Nero's house and you're saying, praise the Lord in Nero's house. Singing God's praises in Nero's house. I'm getting somewhere. Yeah, no doubt there were times they were speaking in tongues in Nero's house, right? Uh, no doubt they requested, Paul, when you, when you say praise the Lord, I want you, and I don't know how they got the word to him, but we want you, we want you to say praise the Lord to the church in Philippi. This is a remarkable greeting. Uh, so he's, he's writing this letter and he's closing it out. Uh, and I would imagine when the saints in Philippi heard that, they, they may have been a little surprised too. You know, they're believers. There are, there are believers like us. They are born-again saints living in, in Nero's house. Uh, let's, and let's talk about it even further because uh, it would be within a year or so uh, or two after the writing of this letter, uh, this is where Nero really seems to lose his mind. And, and he does all of these crazy things, um, his economic policies, his political power, though, it was failing. This is, this is one reason why he said, I got to do something crazy, uh, you know, so he burns everything. Uh, and immediately he blames those holiness folk. He blames them for uh, everything that's going wrong in society. And uh, so because of this, uh, he continues this line of thinking. Uh, and now what he does, he's gathering the saints. He's gathering these, these born-again believers. And this is what uh, history says. Uh, he ties them to stakes. Uh, he dips them in pitch, uh, uh, an inflammable fluid like tar, uh, and, he, and he puts them on sticks. Uh, and and I, I can't get too graphic, but I want you to know that he tortures the people of God. He has them put in arenas. He has them eaten alive by animals. But uh, one of the dirtiest things that he did was he would, he would line up the streets of the city and set the people of God on fire. Uh, and history says, and I'll give you the, the proper uh, lineage of it, uh, a year and a half to two years after he writes this letter, after the saints are saluting, uh, now they're, they're going through. Uh, the people of God are going through. Anybody uh, who are confessing to to be born again and to love the Lord. He's, he's going through and he's, he's dealing with them harshly uh, and all of this tension. Uh, could you imagine the tension 
uh, leading up to Nero's actions? Uh, could you imagine all of the, the demonic activity that's going on uh, in Caesar's house? Uh, and it, it would have been a, it was a courageous thing just for them to say, praise the Lord just to open their mouth and say, tell the people of God, hallelujah, we're yet holding on. Uh, we're in this crazy place. Uh, we're in this strange place, but let them know that there's, there are people here that are still trusting God, still believing God, still holding on to God. They're in a strange place, and I, I need to stop here because I, I feel the preacher coming on, uh, you know, because some of us, uh, and some of you watching and listening, you might be in a strange place also uh, in the midst of all this craziness, in the midst of and that crazy place. It may not be a foreign land. Uh, it, it might be, you know, because some of us are shut in, you know, we're, we're in that, that shut in mode. And it seems like it's, it's a crazy place, a strange place, uh, but you can still say praise the Lord. You can still glorify God. You can still let someone know uh, about your God. I'm still living for God. I'm still holding on to God. I'm still a believer. Hallelujah. I'm still trusting. I'm still praising. And you got to learn how to do that when you're in your, your strange place. Uh, so understand there is no situation uh, that the word of God cannot penetrate. There's no situation. Hallelujah. And, and that's why God may have some, some of his children in those strange places. Um, so uh, because his word can penetrate anything. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, and it's not just saying the word. It's living the word. So uh, no matter where we are, we should never give up hope. Uh, we should never stop praying. That, remember that song? The mothers used to sing, saints don't stop praying, for the Lord is nigh. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little hoarse tonight. I don't want to sing to you, but I feel a song coming on. Don't stop praying. He'll hear your cry. Uh, what the Lord has promised, uh, his word is true. Saints don't stop praying. He'll answer you. Uh, so if a prisoner like Paul He's in jail. He's in prison. If he can continue to witness and to spread the gospel uh, of a crucified and risen Jesus Christ, uh, then you can even witness in Caesar's household. Uh, and, you know, uh, Caesar's name today is not Nero, but we are in Caesar's house, right? Trying to render under God with his and under Caesar what's his, but Caesar is crazy. Caesar is a nut, uh, but we've got to hold on. Uh, we're in a strange place right now. Hallelujah. Uh, but you've got to hold on. Uh, even in this atmosphere, you have to know your God. Listen, uh, you ought to know and believe that this word that's in you, uh, this Holy Ghost that's in you, can touch any situation that's going on in your life. I needed to put that out there. Uh, and that one verse right there stimulated all of this in me. There in Nero's house, saying, praise the Lord. Saying, listen, we're still here. Uh, this is a strange place, but God has us here. 
uh, I'm a slave to Caesar. I'm a slave to Nero, but I'm a believer. I'm a child of God, and I want to say praise the Lord to you. I, I want to bring greetings to you and let you know that God is good even in Caesar's house. Hallelujah. God is good even though I'm in this strange place. What an atmosphere for someone to live for Christ in that kind of atmosphere. Uh, and, and, uh, and these saints whose greetings Paul sent uh, to the Christians at Philippi, they were slaves. Yeah, they were Nero slaves. Uh, hallelujah. They, they were enslaved, uh, but they were children of God. Uh, and and I'm, I'm stuck right here. I'm, I want you to know I'm stuck right here. Just the thought of Nero, you know, doing all of this, contriving all of this, thinking all of this, uh, doing all of this wickedness, uh, and God has his children living in that situation, in that atmosphere. He has them uh and you know, when you think about it, slaves are underprivileged people. They're uneducated. They were illiterate. They were down, downtrodden. They, they were living in a corrupted society. And you can't get any worse than, than Nero. So there are some lessons here. Uh, I, I, want to, I want to pull out of this on tonight, and I, I feel it. Um, and, and I apologize, normally we start at the beginning of the letter, but I felt led to start at the end of the letter and talk about saints in strange places. And, and the first lesson I learned just from that one verse is God can make a child of God. He can make a saint out of the most unlikely material or the most unlikely person. And, you know, and uh, Paul, on one occasion, he's, he's describing different kinds of sinners and different conditions of people, but he says, but such were some of you. So don't, don't you know, start pointing the finger and say, well, I, I, you know, I ain't that bad. No, you, you did something. You were somewhere. Uh, but God can make saints out of the most unlikely material. You know, these, these were underprivileged. They couldn't read. They couldn't write. Some of them because they were slaves. Uh, they were downtrodden. They were living in a corrupted place. Uh, yet the grace of God triumphed over their lives. I feel like, I feel like shouting a little bit. Uh, God's grace was greater than their place. You ought to hashtag that. God's grace is greater than your place, greater than your station, greater than your situation. God's grace triumphed in their lives, and, and they were transformed from sinners into saints, like, like the man uh, in, who was running through the tombs. Uh, remember the story in the book of Mark, verses 1 through, uh, through 20? I'll, I'll read a little bit of it for you. It says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit uh, who, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters uh -huh, and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces, and neither could 
any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains in the tombs crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried uh, with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man. Thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? Remember the story. And he says, my name is, is Legion because there's a whole lot of us in here. Uh, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine. Lord, help me. Uh, I had pork chop the other night. That we may enter into them and forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea they were about 2,000 of them and and were choked in the sea and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that was done they came come to Jesus and see him that he was possessed uh, let me read it again. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I read that uh, because Jesus pulls a derelict, a demoniac. He's got, he's got all these demons in him. He cleans him up, and he sits him among the saints. He calls him out. And now when folks come around the man, he's sitting with clothes on, and he's in his right mind. Now, you say, uh, Fields, why did you read that? Well, because he had to come from somewhere. God had to deliver him. He was messed up. And this is not the kind of person that people would want in, in church around the people of God. But he runs into Jesus, and that's what church is all about. Uh, you know, we run into Jesus, and our lives are changed, and it doesn't matter how messed up we are. God can take the worst of us and bring us to a place where now we're his people. We're his children. He's a saint of God. He's sitting in his right mind. Hallelujah. And, and their response to this was they was afraid. They didn't understand. Who, who let him in? How did he get here? Well, he met Jesus. And, and listen, where would you be had you not met Jesus? You'd still be messed up. He was in the tombs hanging around in the graveyard. They would chain him, and he was so messed up, he didn't know his own strength. He's breaking chains. He's cutting himself. But he runs into the Lord, and God changes his life. Hallelujah. And I, I think we need to remember sometimes where we come from. And our attitude should be, if God can save me, he can save anybody. So I want you to know, uh, just from this one verse, all the saints salute you. Chiefly, they these these underprivileged, uneducated, illiterate, downtrodden, living in a corrupt place. Hallelujah! But grace triumphed in their life. I don't know how they maybe they they heard the gospel that Paul preached, you know. Because and 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 just thinking about it, because even the soldiers that were. Uh, commissioned to guard Paul 
he would preach to the soldiers. Maybe, maybe the slaves heard some of the things the soldiers were saying as they were marching through the palace because even the, some of the soldiers were getting the Holy Ghost. So you know, I don't care what the devil is doing. God's still on a mission. He's still saving right under the devil's nose. He's still blessing right under the devil's nose. Hallelujah. Some of you were blessed right under the devil's nose. He thought he had you, but God snatched you from him, right? And here they are sending greetings to the people of God. Uh-huh. Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1, verses 27 through 29, right? Uh, you know, uh, he, he delights, God delights to make uh, those of us who are weak, take the weak and despise uh, the slaves, these slaves in the pagan state and constitute them as his sons and daughters. Wow. Hallelujah. They may have been in, in one situation uh, as far as society was concerned, but they're the sons and daughters of God. They're, they're the children of God. They're saints. But God, listen to this. First uh, Corinthians 27, 29, but God has chosen the foolish things. Wow. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God have chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen. My God, anybody been despised? You were voted at least likely to succeed, and God got you. Hallelujah. And here you are. He took those who were despised, those who were based, and he chose them. And things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him. Hallelujah. But of him. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We were counted out by society. We were pushed away, hallelujah, but because of God's glory, because of his love, uh, he has brought us in, and now we are the saints of God. My God, I want to take you to Hebrews, right? Uh, because somebody says he, he takes uh, people from the guttermost, uh, to the uttermost. You've heard that saying before. Uh, let's read Hebrews 7 and 25. He says, wherefore he is able also, he is able also to save them to the uttermost mm -hmm, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So he's, he's able to take the lowest and raise them up to a high place. My Lord, I'm loving this lesson uh, the second thing that I learned in this verse, not only uh, just in this one verse uh, that says all the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of, of Caesar's household, of all the saints that live in Nero's house. Uh, so I'm understanding that God uh, can make saints out of anyone, any kind of person, any material. Doesn't matter who you are, what you did or where you come from, what kind of life you're living. You can be the poorest person in the world, Holly, but he'll make you rich in salvation. The second thing, though, that I learned is God has his witness everywhere. Say it with me. God will have a witness everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, right? Uh, uh, Brother Courtney went to Boa Boa 
I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, you know, the water is crystal clear out there, uh, but you better believe he's got witnesses all the way out there. You can go anywhere and he's going to have a witness somewhere, even in Nero's house. Wow. Even in, in crazy Nero's house, I'm going to have a witness. I'm going to have a witness. During this pandemic, I'm going to have a witness. I'm going to have a witness in every hospital. I'm going to have a witness. Your kids are going back to school, right? They're trying to send our kids back to school, and, and the pandemic is climbing. He said, I'm going to have a witness. I'm going to set the crossing guard. I'm going to make sure there's a Holy Ghost-filled crossing guard dealing and ministering to your children as they go, oh, my Lord. He has a witness everywhere, everywhere, even in Nero's household. Listen, if you have traveled at all, you've discovered that in every walk of life, if you've ever gone anywhere, right, you'll discover that in every walk of life, God has somebody that's serving him there, everywhere, everywhere. doesn't matter. Uh, those who are faithful to the Lord, right, every rank of distinction, all right, uh, everywhere you go, I'm going to have somebody, right? Um, I'm going to have a Joseph, right? I'm going to have somebody that's uh, been done wrong and, and thrown into slavery, but I'm going to turn that situation around. Uh, let me take you there quickly, 39, 39th chapter of Genesis, verses 1 through 6, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the garden, an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had uh, brought him down thither. So he sold into slavery, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Put your name there. The Lord was with, the Lord was with me, right? And he prosperous. He was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He prospered in the Egyptian's house. He prospered in the Egyptian's house, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. I'll let your enemies see that God is with you, and I'll prosper. As a matter of fact, I'll use your enemies to bless you. Now, that's strange. I'm in a strange place, and listen, when God has you in strange places, he'll do a whole lot of strange things. He'll do something strange, like use those who fought against you and tried to kick you down. I'll use them to help you back up and bless you. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer. Now he's a slave. And he's now being made overseer over this Egyptian's house and all that he had put into his hand. Whoever heard of that? I'm a slave and now my master's putting it. I'm running my master's house. I'm running this Egypt, I'll make you the head and not the tail. Made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Listen, some of you complaining about the strange place that you're in, but you're their blessing. I'm going to elevate you in front of the spectators and the criticizers. Hallelujah. And I hope they have enough sense to realize that because you're there, they're blessed. If I move you, everything will go wrong for them. You are their blessing. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. 
and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not what he had, save the bread which he did eat. Right? He left everything in Joseph's uh, hand so much so he didn't know what was in his cupboard. He didn't know what was in his bank account. He trusted it to Joseph. I'll let you run the place. It's a strange place, but if you stay where I put you, I'll let you run the place. I don't know who that was for, hallelujah, but that was for somebody, right? Uh, he has a witness everywhere. Uh, listen to what he says about Nehemiah, chapter 1, uh, verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servant's who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Hallelujah. And you know how God took Nehemiah, set him right in there. And he was the king's cupbearer, but God used that situation. He's in a strange place. He had to drink the wine before the king did, right? And somebody poisoned the wine. This, this is Nehemiah's job. Who wants to be the cupbearer? Who wants to drink poison for a living, right? And the king knew, the only way the king knew that the wine wasn't poison was that Nehemiah was still alive. <laughs> but because of that strange place, that situation, God was able to send Nehemiah back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So maybe you're in that strange place so God can use you to rebuild some things that have been torn down. Here, uh, hear ye, hear ye. Daniel is in a strange place. You know where he was. He's in Babylon. Uh, uh, and it's a whole lot of reading, but uh, I'm going to go down. Uh, I'll go down to verse 6. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for you all Sunday school goers, under whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel, uh, Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And you know the story uh, as we go along, but let's go down uh, to verses 10 and 11. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Right? He's going back and forth with Daniel. You better eat the king's meat. I don't want to get in trouble. And Daniel said, oh, no. Uh, it'll be all right. And Daniel, uh, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So they're in that strange place. Hallelujah. But God is... He's using them as a witness. I put my people here. I, I let you imprison them, but these are my children, and I'm going to prove to you that these are my children. Hallelujah. These are my children, and I'm going to take care of them. They can eat pulse. You can eat all that steak or whatever you eat, but at the end, I'm going to show you that nobody can take care of my children like I can. Listen, 
The second thing I learned right here is that God has a witness everywhere. Say it with me. God has a witness everywhere. And uh, just in this one verse, uh, I want to pull out the thought, uh, not only uh, can God make saints out of anything, out of anyone, out of any material, not only uh, can I say that God has his witnesses everywhere, but the third thing I want to pull out of this is uh, that God has his witness, or rather it is possible, I should say, to witness for the Lord anywhere. Uh, so he has his witnesses everywhere, and because he has witnesses uh, everywhere, I want you to know uh, that it is possible, it is possible, it is possible to witness for the Lord anywhere. Say that with me, anywhere. Uh, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians out of chapter 6, verse 14. I won't stop until I get through uh, the first verse of chapter Seven, but it says these words, uh, and I'm reading this because uh, not only does God have us in strange places, uh, and of course, uh, in doing that, I have to hit the fact that not only does he have us in strange places, but I'm not using this as a license to tell you that it's all right for you to go to the wrong places. And I, I talked about that a little earlier. There's a difference between God having you in a strange place and then you uh, living and going and cohorting uh, in the wrong place. So here's my disclaimer. I'm putting it out there. Uh, chapter 6, 2 Corinthians. Uh, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, uh-oh, for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion have light with darkness, and what concord have Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. So I'm not, I don't want you to think that being in a strange place gives you license to go into the wrong places and have the wrong relationships and have the wrong associations. No, uh, we're in the world, but not, not of the world. And I can't be a witness if I'm living like the person that I'm witnessing to, if I'm in sin like the person I'm witnessing to. Uh, so there's a difference between being in the strange place and being in the wrong place. Wherefore, come out from among them. Uh, some of y'all might tune out now. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if I'm going to be a witness, then I have to be holy. I have to be separate. And that, you know, Daniel said, we're not going to bow down. That whole thing about the fiery furnace, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to give in to the world system. No. Uh, and God used them. They, they were in a strange place. 
They were in a strange place, but they still lived holy. You can live holy in your strange place. I don't like, you say, I don't like the job I have. You can live holy in that job you don't like. You can, you can be holy. So wherever God has placed us, uh, it is possible by his grace to live and witness wherever God has placed us. Wherever God has placed us. Wherever God has placed us. The fourth thing I learned in that one verse, all the saints salute you chiefly, they that are in Nero's household, is, uh-huh, is God wants you to be his witness somewhere. Uh, he wants you to be a witness somewhere. I'm going to say it one more time. God wants you to be a witness somewhere, right? So I know uh, he has his witnesses. Uh, he has witnesses everywhere. He can use anybody, right? Uh, he can do all of this. But I also discovered that he wants me to be a witness somewhere. He wants you to be a witness somewhere. Where that place is, I don't know. But there is a familiar scripture we read all the time, right? Uh, and folks get all excited. And Pentecost will be here soon. And, and when you hear the preacher say, but ye shall receive power, right? And folks will start screaming and speaking in tongues. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and we stop there, right? And folks will be hikamasaying and spinning around, yea, Lord, uh, you shall receive power. And the preacher, you know, will be humming and mm, uh, power to live right, power to talk right. But that's not the entire verse. That's not the entire verse. The entire verse says this, but ye shall Receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So God, I learned from this that God wants you to be a witness somewhere. And we don't necessarily get to choose where we want to be the witness at because these, these folks were living in Nero's house. And God expected them to witness to somebody. And you better believe one or two of them might have witnessed to Nero. He may have had them killed, but they, they witnessed to him. They told him, do you know Jesus? Right? And we, we understand that he hated to hear the name Jesus. He fought against, but and God had his children living right in that man's house. God wants you to be his witness somewhere. I don't know where it's at. It might not, it might not be, uh, you know, in a faraway land or Japan, a Latin, you know, uh, Australia, you know, when we talk about missionary work, work, sometimes we throw out these names, but uh, we're shut in now. I want you to look at this. Uh, we're all, we're shut in now. And that foreign land, that strange place might be right in your living room. You might be the only person saved in your family. And God has you in that strange predicament. Ain't nobody else but you speaking in tongues. And here you are sitting in the living room with them every day. You better start testifying and being a witness because God wants you to be a witness somewhere. Yes, he does. 
And he didn't just fill you with the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues and to twirl around and to run away. Yeah, be a witness right there. And I really believe during this season, it, when, we, when revival breaks out, it's going to start in our homes first. Because home is where we are. Home is where we are. Home is where we are now, right? Shut in place. We're working from home. And you need to open your mouth and witness to your unsaved family members who are sitting right there in the house with you. Tell them about, tell them about Jesus. And don't be disturbed or upset because of their unbelief or because they might talk back to you. Uh, you know, you're a child of God. You're a saint of God. Don't be disturbed by that. You have power. Open your mouth and witness. And remember, when I told you, a true missionary is not just what you say, it's how you exemplify the message that's in you. Live in front of them. Live in front of them. Live in front of them. The last thing uh, I want to say that I, that I could pull out of this one verse is that those who've been forgiven much and who are saved, they've been, you've been forgiven much and you're saved uh, from much. Uh, those are the kinds of people that frequently prove to be the most zealous saints, the most highly spirited saints, the radiant witnesses. Those who have been delivered from a lot of stuff tend to be the ones that are, are radiant and quick to testify because they've been brought out of a whole lot of stuff. I, I'm going to take you quickly to, to chapter 7 of Luke. Uh, remember, uh, Jesus is, is there and he's in the Pharisee's house. They're sitting down. I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, remember, uh, a woman comes in, enters into the house, uh, and she begins to break the bottle of oil, and she washes Jesus' feet, and, and people are astonished you know, and, and what kind of stuff is that? And Jesus says to this, I came into your house and you didn't give me no water for my feet, but this woman washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss. That this woman hasn't stopped kissing on me, kissing on my feet, right? And uh, my head with oil, thou you didn't anoint, but this woman anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, listen to what Jesus says. And I'm, I'm in... Luke chapter 7, read verses 36 through 50 when you get a chance, right? Uh, especially uh, verses 44 and 47, uh, when, when Jesus starts saying this, this woman entered into your house, she gave me water, she washed my feet, right? And then he says, uh, under her, your sins have been forgiven, which are many. She's, she's done a whole lot of stuff. She's been a whole lot of places she ain't had no business being. Uh, but they've all been forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Jesus saying, you know, she loves much. She's appreciative because she's been forgiven of all of these things, and she's not afraid to show her love and devotion to Christ. Right? He says, uh, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. In spite of our weaknesses, uh, this is what I have in my notes, in spite of our weaknesses, hallelujah, uh, we are his workmanship. In spite of our weaknesses, God 
is working on us and, and helping us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus uh, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I've been talking a long time, but I, I want to close out with this. Uh, and we're talking about saints being in strange places and these saints who are living in Nero's house, all the danger, all the craziness, all the evilness and the people of God. Listen, if, if it wasn't to get Nero saved, they were witnessing to the other slaves in his house, talking to other slaves in his house. You better believe they were even having church probably and you could have church anywhere. Uh, we're the people of God. Uh, but listen, God has much more for us than our conversion. Uh, and I, I need to pull this all the way out for you. Uh, much more for us. And I, I, this is what I have in my notes. Just as God fashioned uh, the land of Israel to develop the spiritual lives of his people, so he also shapes our circumstances for the same reason. Right? Uh, so the Lord takes us to these strange places. He'll have you in a place perhaps that you don't want to be. It's a strange place. And there are three things about the strange place. Write it down. I'm getting ready to close out. Three things about the strange places. One, God will lead you to places you can't control. <laughs> He'll take you to a place and you can't control that place you're in. Number two. God will lead you to circumstances you don't understand. So number one is I'm in this place and I can't control nothing in this place that I'm in. It's a strange place. Number two, God has brought me into a circumstance I don't even understand it. And number three, he'll put you in a situation that compels you to trust him. You, gotta, you don't have no choice but to trust him. And that's, that's what the strange place is. I can't control it. I don't understand it. And I've got to trust him. I can't control it. Man, I feel like preaching. I don't understand it. And here I am. I've got to trust him. Let me hit it again. I can't control it. I don't understand this, Lord. But I hear everything in me saying, trust you. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, shall not be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so God surrounds his people. So God takes us to unwanted or strange places to give us what we could never receive anywhere else. Him. More of him. And he leaves me in spite of my weakness, Right? Uh, so it's much more than my church affiliation, much more than me just saying, oh, I got the Holy Ghost. No, uh, he'll bring me to a place where I have no uh, other recourse but to trust him, right? And, and here's the closer. Um, you might be struggling, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to close this so you know I'm really closing out because I could talk another two hours. But he's saying... Uh, I, you might be struggling with where you are, right? You might be struggling with, with the fact, I don't understand it, I don't like it, uh, you know, and, and some of you might even be complaining, da-da-da-da, but I want to let you know this evening that in spite of your struggle, God is loving you, 
and he has loved you all this time, in, even in spite of you. Remember Jacob, just like Jacob wrestled with the Lord, right? He's wrestling with the Lord in the book of Genesis by the Ford Jabbok. He's wrestling with the Lord, uh, and, and here's a revelation here within your struggle. Three things here, and I'm going to close. Number one, uh, you know, the struggle, when you start out, you're struggling against God. Right? He's, he's not trying to kill you. He's trying to help you. you you're fighting him. You're, you're fussing. You're complaining. You're struggling against him, right? But God is patient with us in that struggle. Uh, then that struggle begins to change, just like it did with Jacob. You go from struggling against God to struggling with him. <laughs> and some of you might understand it. I'm not fighting you anymore, uh, and I'm struggling with him. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out now what are you what are you trying to do and I'm and the struggle has shifted now uh, I'm holding on to him I'm holding on to him right I'm holding on to him and some things have happened right he he taps Jacob's thigh and he's and he's holding on he's holding on and the third thing about your struggle right you struggled against you're struggling with and the last part is uh you start struggling for him, and that's powerful. And that's, that's when your breakthrough uh, is happening. That's when the blessings are flowing uh, because you, you've been through that part where you struggled against him and you started seeing things and you, you're struggling with him, all right, because now you see how weak you are and how much you need God. And now, Holly, you go from that transition where you're struggling for him. Whatever I got to go through to be closer to you, Father. Uh, so as we surrender, you're becoming more like him. Uh, you're becoming more and more like the Lord. And, you, and you're maturing and you even learn how to pray like Jesus. Right? When he's in Gethsemane and he's saying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. That's the power of the strange place. That's the significance of the strange place where you could even, you can still say, praise the Lord. You can still raise your hand and say, listen, I'm, I'm still alive. I'm surviving. I'm in a strange place. Hallelujah. But God's goodness is still being revealed. His glory is still being revealed in my life. The Lord loves you and I do too. I didn't mean to take all this time, but it's getting gooder and gooder. Uh, there was a mother uh, in my daddy's church named Mother Wilson, uh, and she used to say, it's getting gooder and gooder, uh, and, and the Lord is so sweet, he's so precious. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, oh God. We, we understand the significance now uh, of the strange place, and, and some of us are in strange places right now, hallelujah, but we're yet holding on. We're yet trusting you. We're yet believing in you. We ask your continued blessings in our lives. Oh, God, let us not be weary in our well-doing. We know in due season we'll reap if we faint not. Bless everyone under the sound of my voice tonight. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. I hope you've enjoyed the lesson. I hope I've helped you. Forgive me for talking so much. You know, I miss you all so much. Now, if you think I'm teaching this long, wait until we get back in this building. Uh, we'll start at 11, but church will be over at 5 in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm just playing with you.
Uh, but I miss you all so much. I love you. Listen, if you want to contribute, if you want to pay your tithes uh, this week, if you want to make a donation to GRTDC, uh, Brother Craig, who has been such a blessing to us, uh, you can put that on the screen for us. And uh, you can go directly to our website, GreaterRefugeTempleDC.org. Get one gift and follow the instructions. Follow instructions on the screen. Those of you at the Annex in the Bronx, you can use Giblify on this mail your uh, offerings in. The Lord bless you, uh, and I love you all so much. We miss you, Lady Fields, and I miss you terribly, uh, and we're looking forward uh, to coming back into the house as soon as we can. Uh, but if not, uh, we'll meet you in the rapture. Have a good night. The Lord bless you all.